Welcome to the 1994 season of Living in the Past. My name is Paul Armstrong. His name is... Shana Shan. Oh my god. No. <laughs> I won't do it. It's the last one. Oh my god. Hello. This every is Scully. Time, every, every time I try and start this like professionally and, and succinctly, you're just like, nah. Can I'm excited. That? I'm you? just excited. You excited? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm excited too. Um, we are a '90s podcast where we go through a month of the '90s every week. We um, we've been pretty excited about this one because uh, I think we both sort of said that this is when it really gets its '90s on, like <laughs> like the movies. I think since since February 1990, mm-hmm. we've been waiting for 1994. Yes, and the thing is, like. <laughs> February 1990. Um, the thing is, like, even going through one of the, like one of the movies that we're going to go through for today, it's like it's a very 90s movie, but it's like it's very of this time, and I'm like, this is this is where it starts to like all the 90s, 90s movies have, have a certain look to them. Um, we're going to start. We're going to see the birth of uh, um, punk rock. Uh, we're going to see the death of grunge, essentially, um, and then the uh, we'll the, see. the rise of um, that alternative. Uh, what do we call it? Wuss rock <laughs> that I like. <laughs> um, we do a little thing at the start of the show. If you've never um, uh, tuned in and you're like, oh, 1994, I'll start listening now. And I don't blame you. <laughs> I do not blame you. Um, we do a thing called Living in the Now, which is where we talk about what we... We, we, we take a little pause from the 90s stuff um, before we get back into it. So this is Living in the Now. Okay. So apart from, you know, 90s... Stuff that you're listening and watching. What else have you been doing? Well, I, we probably should have pre-warned um, that this is classic start of the year uh, 90s stuff. So January and February is not very exciting. So I haven't really <laughs> had to do a whole lot of 90s stuff as yet, I, I, which I has can, been good. I disagree. I, I think good way to ease in. We have a really good February this year. So no, and no, I, I Feb- February's okay. And I know how that how bad that sounds when we're doing a January episode. When I say, "Oh, the next episode is gonna be great," um, but yeah, uh, I've been like, "Look, we I've I've tried this year to this season to really when we're when we're in the recording phase of this to really just really um, localize everything to '90s stuff because uh, last the couple of other seasons, like I've been trying to sort of catch up, like keep up to date with TV shows and like current movies, and it's just like it's just too much. Like my brain can't deal with all that, so it's just I've been very much focused on the stuff I have to do for the podcast. I did go um, take my boys to go see Sonic the Hedgehog two a couple of days ago, which was very colourful um, and very loud. Just just in the sense that there's a lot of colour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, did you like it? it? It it was fine. Like it was it was like it's not. You know, I wouldn't go go my way to see it again, but you know, it was fine. Um, I was talking to my wife in the car on the way home, and I was like, "It's just, I was like, can we remember a time where like uh, movies didn't have to rely on like, um, like in the first ten minutes of Sonic Two, there was like eight different songs, like contemporary and mm. and eighties and nineties stuff, and it's like, but if you like watch a, a movie from the eighties and even the nineties, like it's it's like an orchestral score the whole way through sort of thing it's just like i don't know when we changed i think it was like sort of getting into the early 2000s where it's like we need something to reel in the people from the 70s and 80s to get them on board for this 
and songs probably became a lot cheaper to use. Well, yeah, and also like um, if I don't know who uh, who is who distributes um, Amazon, I think it's Sony. So it might even be like or Universal. I think they're, they're sort of all in the same sort of company now. So it's like oh. Maybe they'll get a little bit of money from the music section too if they use the songs in the movies. I don't know. Like it's just uh, like it's not a bad thing. I'm just saying. Like it's just it's just a weird thing to. Rely Sometimes on. it is. Yeah. Um, we watched something recently. I can't remember what it was. I think I complained to you about it that there was just a constant song. There was no silences. Yeah. There was music in the background the well, whole way. I said that Guardians of the Galaxy kind of kicked it all off because that one that that movie's soundtrack also charted insanely well, and it's like. It was like that was a major plot point of the movie, basically. Like some of the the action scenes were basically in in sync to like songs. Same, yeah. So it's, I don't know. It, it's it's you know I'm just a normal man yelling at the sky. But <laughs> um, well, the the flip side to that is something that we just finished, uh, Killing Eve, oh, where yeah. there's maybe three or four different songs. I mean, there's like there's music in and out. There's there's different songs here and there, but there's three or four major songs that get repeated throughout. And I was trying to pinpoint if they have like different cues, you know, yeah. when they're like in the horror, when a certain song comes on, like, ah, oh, someone's about to die. Yeah. And I'm sure there is. And I just wasn't so where is it, you know, whether, whether aware enough to notice it. Whether they're like a theme for the characters of the show sort of thing. Cause there's, there's a song. Yeah. There's a song in the first series of that from a French group that I was really into. I like, I remember, I think it's still on one of my playlists. It's like, I can't, remember the exact name of the band but like the first season i noticed that like they use a lot of like more obscure sort of european bands and stuff like that and it's like it was pretty cool um to sort of have that sort of did you exposure. finish it as well no i haven't finished it no there's you know this TV little show, bit in uh, movies i'll finish <laughs> finish the shit out of tv shows i'm like uh i got up to season two and then i fell asleep well i will try not you know spoil it but i feel like people shouldn't watch season four Okay, but let's uh, let's get back into the nineties because um, we got a lot to get through. Uh, let's go into yeah. the events. <laughs> okay, so um, a couple of the last couple of seasons we've been doing a, a quiz. Uh, we like to change it up from season to season. This this time I think we're just going to sort of because there's, there's a lot more. And I'm not saying this is. Horrible to say. A lot more interesting events happening <laughs> the previous years. I'm just saying that, like, with the, a lot of stuffs happened, um, obviously already in the '90s. Um, in our um, up to '93 seasons, the thing is, is that I mean, this is essentially a entertainment comedy esque sort of podcast. So, like, I'm not going to sort of do huge big sections on like <laughs> skirmishes all over the world on war and lots of stuff. Like, we're going to try and keep it sort of a little bit easy breezy. Um, so, do you think there's more events though this year and coming up because the news changed and what the news was capturing changed? Possibly, so, and also, and then the documentation got a bit better. Also, I remember all of these, so that's the thing. Is like going through now. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm like, all oh, of yeah, I remember that. Oh, a lot of these I remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's go. It was the International Year of Family, and the International Year of Sport and the Olympic Ideal. Um, I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> that's the lamest thing I've ever heard. Uh, but the International Year of Family, uh, yeah, look, you know, yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's sweet. Um, uh, we've got, uh, the Nancy Kerrigan, Tonya Harding incident, uh, occurred. Sports news, but carry on. Oh, you're going to, are you going to cover that in sports? Oh, well then, then be my guest, sir. Be my nah, guest. No, not really. I figured that you would cover it. 
Um, well, yeah, I mean... Um, <laughs> Just go out and watch I, Tonya. That'll tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Tonya Harding um, uh, hired her um, her bodyguard to um, to attack... Now, they were both, they were both figure skaters, and um, basically they were um, bitter rivals. But I, um, I watched the film, and... Um, I, did she get an award for that? Because I think she should have. I think so. So that, I remember that being a huge big thing in uh, the news uh, because it was it was like a. I mean, it was it, it brought figure skating to the fore. <laughs> I mean, people yeah, probably didn't. No one cared about figure skating, and this did not fit in with their whole you know vibe of what figure skating was about. Yeah, um, and obviously, uh, if you uh, remember the movie, have you, you seen Itonia? Yeah. Yes, and um, South Park, and the the mum in that. Um, oh. She definitely won awards. Was it Alice Jenny? Yeah, Alice and Jenny. Yeah, yeah. So and yeah, damn it, she, she she deserves every one of them because I like I like I, I can watch her in a lot of stuff. Like she's she was awesome in The West Wing. Um, and yeah, but it, like in that in that movie, and then when you start reading into like the real person she nailed it something something chronic um did it did it very well a good good justice didn't she accept an award with like a fake bird on her shoulder or something i don't know she had a real bird i don't know there's something about a bird i think everyone should have a bird on the shoulder with accept me award um (laughs) there was a huge los angeles earthquake that killed uh 57 people and caused three 30 30 billion dollars damage around la now it um it was, called, it was the Northridge earthquake. So this is this is the, the one of the big ones. Um, it happened at four thirty a.m. in the San Fernando Valley. Um, destroyed parts of Anaheim Stadium and also the like um, the freeways. Um, I definitely remember this um, being like that. This was a big a big deal back in the day. I remember watching the footage of people like um, trapped in buildings and like being pulled out and stuff like that. And it's just it was. It was a bit... I wonder what the stats are on earthquakes. And I don't want to, you know sound horrid but um how many would have happened during the day in like reasonable hours you can actually respond to this well i mean i feel like a lot of them are outside of business hours and it's it makes I mean, it a lot more difficult i'm sure it's a temperature thing I'm sure, I mean, I'm, look i'm not i'm no seismologist here but um i uh yeah i, I believe it's, it's, it's probably something to do with um there's gonna be something to do with time um like with the ones we had recently in our area here, they all happen like like early in the morning too. So it's like it must be yeah. I just want to know why earthquakes <laughs> in the morning. I hope you get a religious article that says because God wants to catch people off guard. Can happen at any time. <laughs> can happen at any can time it? and in any weather. Big earthquakes always always occur early in the morning. Just as earthquakes don't care about the weather, they can't tell time. Well, that's that's not cool. <laughs> okay, um, that's not an answer. Um, okay, glad I went that down that tangent. Uh, so we've also got this thing called the uh, the Cando event in Spain, where uh, there was a small village in this place called Cando in Spain, um, and they said that the the day before they saw this huge meteor or comet in the sky, and then it crashed to Earth and like made this huge big sort of crater, and it was like it was like a fireball, and cool. 
like there was this, there was this huge explosion and um, people came in and said like, oh, it's probably because of like the natural gases and it's probably this and it's probably that. But the people said, no, no, we saw something fall out of the sky near our village. And um, I think like this, like they all th- said it was like other, definitely a meteorite. And some people even said that like, you know, aliens and, and that sort of thing. Um, when you read a lot of articles about it though, it's like a lot of uh, that sort of thing of, they were, they were like, I'm not saying they were like a remote people, but like I think a lot of people just dismiss them like, they don't know what they're talking about. We're scientists and we say it's like this and that. And it's like, well, they were there. They saw a giant yeah. fireball in the sky and they're like, no, no, you primitive people. It's not, there's not that at all. Um, so I'm, I'm always, you know, I'm always open to the, uh, to the non, the, 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 the far out theory and the science. In, in, in this instant, I'm like, nah, let them have their fireball. Let them have their alien meteorite fireball in the sky. Yeah, I feel like if you get a lot of people with the same story, you, you kind of have to go with it. Unless you're hiding something in which the government probably was. <laughs> and therefore, it was an alien. Yes. Uh, we've got also, uh, before we get onto um, some in- entertainment news, there was, a, there was a guy named David Kang. David Kang. Had a brother oh. called Kodos? <laughs> I thought the same thing when I, <laughs> when I first saw it. So, um, on the 26th of January, um, this is Australia Day in, um, in, in Australia, um, the Prince Charles... Boo. Yes, uh, well, Invasion Day. Uh, Prince Charles was here, um, also Boo, <laughs> and he was, doing, um, he was doing a speech. Uh, Double so, Invasion Day. <laughs> uh, David, David Kang... Um, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, ran over, like jumped over. A, oh, there was like there was a, if you, there's actually footage of it. There's like a small fence. This is what security was like in 1994, like a small fence that sort of separated like the stage from the people watching it. David Kang uh, ran over, like um, jumped over the fence and started firing his uh, a pistol at uh, at the prince. Um, and like if if you see the footage too, <clears throat> his bodyguard just like bang into action. That guy deserves like a medal. Um, Although he's also doing his job, so I don't know. Um, Fifteen people jumped on top of the David <laughs> King. It was like a pylon. Um, it would turned out it was a starter pistol, so it was just blanks. Um, he didn't um, he didn't actually hit anything because there was nothing in the gun. Uh, he was uh, oh. saying that he was against uh, Cambodian refugees, the Cambodian ref- uh, the plight of the Cambodian refugees in Australia. So this was like his protest about that. Um, not really well thought out. <laughs> like, no. like if you're going to like do that, you might as well have a loaded gun, um, or, you know, do something different, but like, yeah. Um, but if you watch the footage, it's, it's quite the, I mean, the security responses was great, but when 15 people like jump on top of you, <laughs> you're done. <laughs> um, so he, he was arrested. Um, he got, uh, he got 500 hours of community service for it. Um, and had to receive a wow. uh, and and had to um, send a um, like an apology to to Prince Charles. Uh, he is still around. Um, he is now a barrister in Sydney. Ha. Huh. Um, uh, fighting is, for refugees, or is he? Uh, well, I, I, I can't see what what he's doing now. But like, that, how insane is that? It's like you can literally be arrested for firing a pistol at the Prince of Wales. And then like 11 years later, you can like, you know what? I came out on the other side. <laughs> I'm a barrister now. Hell, that sounds some, like Australia to me. Some people gave me a handshake. Like not, that's the thing. Like I do, I do, I do remember like there wasn't a, a whole lot of, um, 
uh, outpouring of uh, grief for the prince. I think they were like, eh, <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> yeah, the majority of Australia is going to be like, it was just blanks, mate. What's your problem? What's your problem? Get over uh, it. Get over it. It was also the same year as the big day out. Now, let's. Do, do you want me to one two punch you with this with this uh, lineup for the nineteen ninety four Big Day Out? Yeah, I suppose. Australia. You've got Soundgarden. It's garbage, isn't it? <clears throat> uh, no, they're not on it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nineteen ninety four. Soundgarden, the Ramones, Björk, the Smashing Pumpkins, Teenage Fan Club, the Breeders, Primus. The Cruel Sea, The Meanies, You Am I, Powderfinger. Um, and then you've got your usual, like, Marker Kane was on, like, every single Big Day Out that ever came out. <laughs> like, they, they were just always there. Um, yeah, and then, like, you've got... The, the, the interesting thing is for 1994 is the, 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 um, the local band, well, like, the Australian bands, like, you've got stuff like... Um, uh, Ammonia, who will come up, Swoop, who will come up, like, like in a little bit. Um, Friends of Rom was on there uh probably one of their first um uh, tours um it's just interesting to see it's like you know this is like the the year before a lot of these um like i I remember um uh oh yeah i think i was reading uh, a thing by dave Grohl, who said that he he was playing a festival with um alabama alabama shakes and he said like over the period of like four years he watched them go from like the local stage to headline the main stage he says it's just interesting to see like you know you when when you play the same festival every year sort of thing like you see like people like and this is what like this is what's all about with, with these like these bands like you'll they're all at the bottom of the list but i'm pretty sure as as the years go by they're gonna slowly and surely sort of get up to the main stage and it's just interesting to see that sort of evolution and then they drift back down again <laughs> <laughs> yes they do which, like, I'm not having a dig, but oh, it's I mean, interesting when, when someone like Dave Grohl says it because he'll see these bands come up and then he'll see them drift back down and he'll stay exactly where he is. And also, like, Australia's got that whole tall poppy syndrome. It's like, ah, too good for this local stage now. Oh, look at you. You are mine. Like, Don't you yeah, want and me then to they'll s- chop you down. We're like, ha, <laughs> play at the cranky, you scum. <laughs> it's like, Don't you want us to succeed? No. We also had the um, Golden Globes Award or the Trash Awards, as I call them. They don't really mean anything. Um, they're basically a vehicle for. Do any rate. awards mean anything? I know, but like, like, like the, over the last few years, Golden Globes has, has really sort of lost its mark because like people started to work out that they weren't. They were basically just like a popularity contest between the the foreign press. There wasn't really, <laughs> like. Yeah, it, it, like they, they've kind of lost lost their luster of what little luster they had. But I'll go through them anyway. Uh, the best motion picture for drama was Schindler's List. Uh, musical comedy was Mrs. Doubtfire, beating out yeah. Dave and Sleepless in Seattle. Schindler's List you beating okay out that? In, in the name. Yeah, well, <laughs> Kevin Klein's just like sitting in his seat. Just like, <sighs> it would have been good if they got like another guy that looked like Kevin Klein to sit next to him. <laughs> so there were literally <laughs> two people there. <laughs> Um, best performance in drama was Tom Hanks for Philadelphia and Holly Hunter for The Piano. Um, beating out Harrison Ford for The Fugitive, and he's just like, <laughs> Yeah, that's um, 
We also have uh, Best Performance in a Motion Picture, uh, Musical or Comedy, Robin Williams for Mrs. Doubtfire, Angela Bassett for What's Love Got to Do With It. We also have Supporting Actor, Tom Lee Jones of The Fugitive. Um, we've also God. got... Um, <laughs> well, no, no, we've got a Tom Lee Jones movie coming up this year. I can't wait. We do. We, we got Winona Ryder for The Age of Innocence, which is, if you've seen her performance in The Age of Innocence, you'll be going, huh, hmm, okay. Um, <laughs> you've got also Best Director, Steven Spielberg, Schindler's List, and Best Screenplay is Schindler's List for Steven Zalian. Um, and then... For, uh, I mean, I won't go through all the TV, but best series for the first time, uh, not knocking off, I think, Northern Exposure and Picket Fences, we have NYPD Blue, because back Ooh. then it's like, we want to see lots of men beating the crap out of people in interrogation rooms. <laughs> That's what we like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got Seinfeld, one for best What's series. changed? <laughs> uh, we got David Caruso, uh, win for NYPD Blue. Um, this was before he kept taking his sunglasses off and speaking like an idiot. Um, we also have Best Actor is Jerry Seinfeld for Seinfeld. Best Actress was Kathy Baker for... What? Yeah. Do you want to know who he beat? Hang on. I do. He beat Tim Allen. Sorry for yelling. (laughs) He beat Tim Allen. Oh. He beat Kelsey Grammer, which is a fucking travesty. Um, Craig T. Nelson from Coach, and he he beat Will Smith from The Fresh Prince. I mean, in that group... And Seinfeld being the juggernaut that it was at the time, it's not that, you know, I can see where they came, how he got it. I get that Seinfeld's a juggernaut, but surely everyone knows that Jerry had no acting talent or skill or (laughs) knowledge at all. Yeah, but he was was powerful, and this is the Golden Globes. It doesn't mean anything. Um, we also had Kathy Baker win for Picket Fences, still up there, still putting runs on the board. Uh, Helen Hunt for Mad About You. Um, aw. Aw. And then Julie Louise Dreyfus won for Best Supporting Actress um, in Seinfeld. Oh, good for her. So, yeah, so that's that's your Golden Globes. Uh, it's just, you know, <laughs> who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> the Academy Awards. Like, the thing is, like with those ones too, it would have been like a predetermined. It was just like, yeah, we know like, Schindler's List is just going to like... And, but a lot, and a lot of people sort of say like, this is usually like a good sort of if you're a betting a betting person and wants to sort of know who how the, the Oscars were going to sort of make out, the Golden Globes is usually a pretty good um, test for that. So yeah, but uh, that is all my events, and now it is on to for the first time in 1994 sport. Are you ready? Because this is going to be the greatest sporting month that you've ever been a part of. Okay. Um, and I'm going to start it off. The, 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 bar is, the bar is extremely low, so I'm assuming that someone's going to have cancer and then get and then then and then uh, survive. I'm going to think that uh, there's going to be some curling in there. <laughs> I will crush your dreams already. There is no curling okay. in January of 1994 that I'm aware of. I mean, it must have been going on somewhere, surely. Oh. <laughs> Even if it's just some kid in Norway. You know what they say: if the world's turning, it's going to be curling. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they adopt that as Patent pending. Alright, sorry, go. Um oh, now I've got to skip the sad one because you're laughing. <laughs> no, no, it's fine, it's fine. It's fine, you want the sad news? Give me the sad news. Okay, uh a lady whose name I didn't learn how 
I pronounce uh, Ulrike Mayer. Is that the, is that the sad thing? She, that that? Okay. I wish. No, she died. Huh. Um, it's it's really it's really quite sad. Um, <laughs> okay. It was just the whole the way they've told this story in the articles. I find she was a skier, a downhill skier. Okay. Um, and she was contemplating retirement after like the ninety two. Oh, I think oh, um, she's lethal weapon in it. Yeah. This shit. Okay. Uh, yeah, because like she was one of the, one of the best, and she'd won all these medals, and then like she finished outside the ten, and apparently she's like, "All right, I think I'm done." Yep. And she's like, "One more competition, did okay." She's like, oh, "Okay, maybe I'll give this another go." And then on the 29th of January at a mm. competition in Germany, she uh, had an accident. Like she hit some soft snow, and. Uh, eventually died from her injuries oh wow yeah which really sucks she was only 26 whoa and she was going to um, retire oh man yeah well like that's how bad she thought her career was going always trust your and instincts she was... folks if you if your instincts say that you should retire don't tom brady it like just get out and retire when you can while you still can yeah that's kind of scary what what if he comes back this year and gets like a horrible injury yeah like, and then his like, wife's like, I made a huge Instagram post for you last year because you said you were done, <laughs> and you didn't, wasn't it now like you'll never of, walk again. Wasn't it a matter of days, too? Like, it was like, it was literally not that long. He was just like, mm, actually, nah, I'm good. Yeah, it, w- it definitely wasn't long enough. Yeah. And now, right. I don't know, like, you get all these tributes, are you going to, what happens the next time you actually retire? Do people just be like... Well, you turn into See the previous post. You turn into the Jordan, the Jordan of it all. Like it's like people got sick of that. They were like, when he tried to go back after baseball, they were just like, dude, like you, yeah, you, you you can come back, but like you're not gonna have the same luster. That's the second time I've used unless that you win three in a row again. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But like, I think we'll get to that. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah, give me something happy. Um, the World Junior Ice Hockey Championships. Where were they? We're calling we're calling them Junior now. Junior. <laughs> yeah, junior. <laughs> uh, no boats involved. Uh, it's very disappointing. <laughs> uh, these were held in the Czech Republic. Canada ah. took out their seventh title. How surprising! I should have made you guess then. <laughs> um, beating out Sweden, uh, Russia, and Finland played off for third place, and Russia. Yeah. Huh. Oh, nice. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, Russia. That's where we are now, apparently. Not the USSR or whatever they were calling <laughs> their athletes. Cool. We'll get back to there at some point. Um, Back to more sad news. Oh. I don't really like covering the NFL that often because it's just a bit dull. Yeah. Uh, but the Cowboys played the Bills. This, I think, is a record that still stands to this day. Uh, for people that have been here previously, they may recall that the Buffalo Bills are now in their fourth Super Bowl. Oh. And they're the only team, I believe, ever to lose four Super Bowls <laughs> in a row. <laughs> the people which in has got to be just devastating for a community. Just people in Buffalo are just like, ah, what the, what, what's the point? Was there a widespread... And especially Buffalo, uh... like, you've you've got nothing. <laughs> 
This is, we look. We are not anti Buffalo on this podcast. You are. You seem to have like a real big thing about Buffalo. Something happened in Buffalo to you that I'm not sure. Uh, anti Buffalo. It's just one of those like. It's just one of those upstate cities that you know. Why do you exist as a major city? Like, what are you doing over there? You you should be, Cleveland. I don't care. You. That's not important. <laughs> Okay. I'm here for the extreme East Coast and the extreme West Coast. Everything in between is nonsense, unless we're in Canada, and then it's all good. I was just like, I just had a quick, I uh, quick Google. I'm upsetting right now. Just had a quick uh, <laughs> Google search of like Buffalo Bills fans in 1994. They seem to take it like there's they're not they're not flipping cars over and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think they're disappointed. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's. It's pretty good to make the Super Bowl four years in a row. That like that's a huge feat. Second comes right for first. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's not like they got beaten by the same team four times. That would really hurt. <laughs> well, no, I don't know. I think it's the same amount of pain. Um, all right, get, let's get out of NFLville and go into the Australian Open, golf, <laughs> tennis. Yeah, I know. Your boy Samp, your lady Graf. Um, <laughs> some other people. Uh, there was one. Sorry, no, there was one reason I mentioned this because in the boys doubles, uh, there's a kid called Ben Elwood Ooh. who actually won the boys singles. He doubled up with a guy called Mark Philippousis. Oh, remember that name? I believe my sister might. Well, I mean, every girl had a crush on Mark Philippousis because he looked stunning. Let's uh, yeah, let's be honest. Right. Oh, come on! All right. Jesus. I don't know. What are you doing? Um, No, this is my favorite story. This could be my favorite sporting story from 1994. Okay. I'm shooting a bit early, but uh, there's quite a few articles going around called The Pratt Without a Hat. The Pratt Without a Hat. Do you remember this? No. Uh, There's a cricket player. He decided they went on tour to West Indies. They went on tour in West Indies. He shaved his head prior to to the first test and amongst his team he had this notoriety for being a bit of a sook a bit of a baby like oh, i'm not feeling well some games he'll just play shit and he was very up and down um, okay people people thought he had the potential to be great and he just never seemed to put the effort in and after one of the tests he i think actually no i think it was a practice match um that he got a bit woozy and he had to come off. He couldn't play the first test because he got heat stroke. He shaved his head before the game, didn't wear a hat, stood out in the sun all day long, got heat stroke, and then couldn't play the actual first test. <laughs> and just because made a complete a joke of himself. Yeah. So you, and like, so you could use that as the, uh, for any kids that were like, oh, I want to wear a hat. It's like, well, don't be a prat. <laughs> don't be a prat without a hat. <laughs> Such such an English thing. Like, how can we rhyme? This idiot's not wearing a hat. Oh, he's a prat. He's a prat without a hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I can I um can I add on to that? Because the, the guy's name was uh, the guy's name was uh, Chris Lewis. That was the his full name. Full yes. name, yeah. Cool. So, yes, in, on the eighth of December in two thousand eight, he was arrested at Gatwick Airport for smuggling liquid cocaine. <laughs> Um, and they were yeah. found and found guilty and sentenced to 13 years in prison. He was released in 2015. So a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what the the headlines were when that came out. Pratt with Pratt with a like oh, 
Joe with the blow. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) There would have been so many, like, Sunday and now terrible headlines. Joe Blow Blow loses snow. (laughs) (laughs) I can work. I can work for the Daily Mirror. (laughs) It's Joe Blogs in England. England does blogs. Oh, man. Um, Cool. That that was was amazing. Um, You got anything else on your tree? I've got one more thing just because of it's a carry on from December mm-hmm. and how impressed we were that Dan Jansen skated a world record 500 meters yep. speed skating oh, yes. yeah, 35.92. Remember that? Yes. Yes. Well, on January 30th, Dan Jansen skated the same length in 35.76. So he's just like, I'm going to break my own record. By like point. 18 of 16 of a second. I thought you were going to say that like, there was like a rival speed skater. He's like, Mwah! I will beat no. you by a point, point of a second. It He's just be like... been skating for the last month, just nonstop. And it's just like him and this, this, his rival just like trying to go faster and faster until like they actually like go so fast they just disappear into the cosmos. Yeah. <laughs> and then Mulder rocks up. Yes. <laughs> and you'll say it's like. It's like, oh, I think it's psychokinesis. It's not psychokinesis! <laughs> if you we wanna, just skated really fast. If you want to hear why that's funny, uh, go check out How Do You Think I'm Spooky podcast. And uh, we've just wrapped up season one of uh, The X-Files. We, look, we talk about the two X-Files episodes each week. Um, let's get on to uh, movies. Uh, not uh, slim pickings. I'll, I'll say that. Um, I'll, I'll just go through them. Mm. Uh, we got the air up there. Cabin boy. Iron will. Intersection. Blink. Car fifty four. Where are you? Death wish five and Red Rock West. Now. And. Ooh, and. And house party three and body snatchers. Oh yes, and body snatchers. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why. There's a lot of confusing dates with a lot of these films because there's so many different release dates for different countries. Maybe. I reckon Body Snatchers, for me, was put in February. But yeah, that's all right. Um, I watched it anyway. It it initially came out in January in America Limited and then from February onwards, it started to hit other countries. Now, um, yeah, I I, I tried to watch Cabin Boy um, and I I was going to have to rent it and then I... um, uh, I watched. Um, it wasn't even a trailer. It was like it basically, it was a portion of the movie with him and Andy Richter, and it was so painfully unfunny um, that I was like, "Nah, oh. I don't think I'm going on." Um, it's basically like he's a he's like a spoiled rich kid, and he he um, he finds himself on a boat, um, having to sort of uh, work on there and like sort of mix with like um, people he he perceives lower than him. And like, I don't mind Chris Elliott. I think he's he can be funny, but like, I don't know whether I just wanted this. Uh, this this Chris hit. <laughs> yeah, I I've always kind of liked him. He's done some good things, and but I I don't know. He's he's also a bit sketchy. Um, we've also got. I watched. Uh, I did watch Iron Will. Um, kind of in the background, I was doing something else. Um, and then I realized that Kevin Spacey was in the movie too. I'm like, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it was. Um, it's like your general like uh, um, sled dog movie. <laughs> There seems to be a lot of them in the nineties. I think we've covered like this is the third one, where this is like every year we'll have like a, a a movie based in the snow with the sled dogs. It's just people trying to recapture White Fang, and they're not going to. Yeah, 
Yeah, this guy. This guy actually could even looked like uh, Ethan Hawke. He like like a discount Ethan Hawke. <laughs> but it's like oh, you're not Ethan. That's Hawk. unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I want to go through firstly before because I um I watched. Did you watch the air up there? I did. Okay, so we'll get we'll get we'll we'll talk about that in a sec. I just want to go through a couple other ones. Um, I did watch uh, Body Snatchers, uh, which was not bad. Like I like as a it's a I watched it, I had to watch it through YouTube because it was um. It was not available. Uh, there is. Um, I paid for this off Google Play, and I was not impressed. <laughs> oh, did you? Uh, we've yeah. got um, we've got some Ali Ermi action. We've got Forrest Whitaker in there. Um, I love the, the best thing about this. Okay, and, and this is going to sound horrible, but it looks so bad, but it's so amazing. So basically, this, this family moves to a, a military base, and um, they re- they realize that the military are doing experiments on people to you know become uh alien they're kind of like alien vessels like they're, they're body snatchers if you know if you know the evasion of the body snatchers like storyline that's that's what it is anyway it takes them a long time to i don't know if when they actually realize that it seems like right at the end where they're like oh shit this thing tried to go on my body I, and i was wondering why the dad the dad that moved there was so sketchy and i realized that he's one of the guys that works at the sleepers <laughs> Um, jail, oh. and he's like he's one of the like the worst ones. I'm like, oh, oh you're not good. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I know you're in a different movie, but like, no. Um, there's a there's a a, a a husband and and a wife, and there's also like a um a daughter and a son. The son's about I don't know six or seven years old. And right six. towards the end, spoiler spoiler alert. <laughs> towards the end of the movie, you think that like the mum and mum and dad are dead. You think that the the brother and sister are going to get away. And they're in a helicopter. <laughs> and he falls out the helicopter. <laughs> and in the worst... He's thrown CGI, from the helicopter. Well, he's thrown from the In the worst CGI thrown. that you've ever... like. And I think he's even like... He's he's supposed to... Be, I think they're ADRing his like his yell over his like over his actual dialogue. Definitely. And yeah. it basically is one of those things where like they've like made the ground rush up at him rather than him sort of falling to it. It looks ridiculous but i might even put it up on the instagram it's like it's very special is it wrong that i was so when towards the end of the film she's looking for her brother saying she's not going to leave him the whole time in my head i was like i hope she's going to throw him at the helicopter <laughs> i'm not for violence against kids i don't agree with it but when it comes to cinema <laughs> if your little brother is a monster you gotta kill him Oh man, it was it was like it's, so I was kind of happy. <laughs> I was like, and like in, in any other film, like it would have been like a, a huge emotional toll. But then when 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 that happens, and then that effect happens, it's like, oh jeez. Um, yeah. So the makeup effects is pretty good, and I'll give it that. Uh, but yeah. Um, and the one more before we go on to um, the air up there, I watched Death Wish Five. Now. Uh, I've watched five already. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've seen all I've seen all of the Death Wishes. It's not the first two. I'll say are are, are decent. You've got like a very young Jeff Goldblum as a as a punk that uh, um, rapes and murders uh, Charles Bronson's uh, wife and daughter. Um, He's one of the gang, and then like you know, and it sort of gets he gets like uh, increasingly more problematic and worse as the Death Wish series goes on. Like it basically turns into like he just basically kills people because. Like, they're a different skin color for him. Like, there's a point where it's just like he's basically just gunning, yeah. gunning for like um. They got he goes into different sort of cities where they have like problems with gangs, and the gangs are always 
either Hispanic or um or Latinas or um or uh, African American. Like there's there's always some sort of racial element. There. Is he doing like? Is this his own Minority Report? Like he's trying to just preempt crimes. It's more well that also like now nah, he just he just tends to just rock up and it's like oh wrong place wrong time again, um but you've got uh yeah it's it's like I don't don't watch it do do what I should have done and just um okay watch, <laughs> and watch the uh watch the best of of the kills on YouTube which you can you can watch basically every kill from the movie Just Wish Five including Charles Bronson walking That's into scared. a cafe. And he sees the guy that he's not happy with, and the guy has ordered ordered a cannoli, <laughs> and the cannoli goes to the table, and then Charles Bronson very very obviously uh, <laughs> puts cyanide with <laughs> the, the cannoli, <laughs> and then the guy eats it and just basically like the guy look the guy's choking effects is amazing like this guy's like I think he actually choked on the cannoli it was it's 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 ridiculous it's got one of the best ever. Um, hit and run car crashes you'll ever see. This guy, this this like this pedestrian is hit by a car, and you would, and like the car seems to be slowing down as it hits him. But you would think that this guy's been hit with an atomic blast. He like he he basically he's, he's on the road and he misses the entire pavement and just smashes through a window. Um, so so unbelievably, it's amazing. But the best one of all, the best kill that you'll <laughs> ever see, the one that I will be putting up on Instagram, is Charles Brunson going to a toy store. And um, buying a buying a soccer ball that is somehow remote controlled, going to Ooh. some guy's house, and he's he's like he's remote controlling the soccer ball across the front yard, and then the security systems go up and like the lights come on, and the guy comes out and he picks up the ball. <laughs> Charles Bronson says, "Hey, boy," <laughs> and there's a bomb in the soccer ball, and the guy's head blows off. And it's a Jeez, oh, it's so good. I nearly, I nearly wanted you to watch it before um, we recorded. It is like, it is one of the like at this point, Charles Bronson's basically Jason. Like he's basically this is like a Friday the Thirteenth film. He's just basically just killing people in the most imaginative ways possible. And it's and does he have a little sidekick that makes all these gadgets for him? Or do you think not. he's like he's not well, he, whittling he, away in his shed. Yeah, that's the thing. Because like in the first one, like he he's, he's an architect. Um, for, for like throughout the first, ah, couple. of course. Because that's the that's the thing. It's like they have these really weird cuts of him murdering like street scum, and then going, oh, "I can do it in wood. I can do it in uh, concrete." Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> yeah, we get that he's a, he's an architect, but he's apparently also like this, this, this assassin. Assassin. Grade. Is he still an architect in Death Wish Five? Uh, look, he is literally just walking around killing people. There's no backstory. Okay. Like he, he 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 he's helping out like a friend in this one. It's it's. And he, he's the one that pulled the plug after this. He was like, no, no more death wish. So, um, but yeah, if you want to do yourself a favor, look at the best of Death Wish 5 kills on YouTube and you will not be uh, disappointed at all. Let's get on to the air up there. Um, From Hollywood Pictures, Coach Jimmy Dolan traveled to Africa Whoa! to discover the next basketball superstar. He's got the hang time of a hot air balloon. Like, hey, Jordan. What he found. We'll play basketball games. we bet all our land. Is a tribe who needed his help. You will be our coach. Together, they're about to play the game of their lives. Kevin Bacon. He's ghosting her. The air up there, rated PG. So, uh, this mm. is a this is a movie. 
I was surprised to see at the start, because I watched this on Disney, quite often they'll have a little disclaimer before the film. Yeah. There was no culture. disclaimer for this film. Yeah. <laughs> Does that if, mean they think it's okay? If you've never seen the film, Kevin Bacon, being his most Kevin Bacon in this film, uh, he plays a, uh, a scout for a university basketball team. Assistant coach. Oh, assistant coach. Slash right. scout. Well, yeah. Um, and he really wants to be the coach. That's what I'm getting from this. And he finds out these. Yes. And, and um, so he's, and he's also, he used to play uh, basketball. Then he hurt his knee really badly. Enough to necessitate. He necess- blew out his knee, Paul. And he blew it out. Enough to necessitate, necessitate a knee brace that if you look at it from scene to scene, is doing nothing to brace that knee. It is flopping around all over the place. Like there is no medical reason for him to have that on his leg. Like it's not doing anything. And years later, like your knee should have healed itself by now. You should not need that to just well, function because, daily. Because you know Kevin Bacon, just like he does at the start of this movie, he's got a bit of a smart-ass uh, um, rookie coming up and he, t- he takes him one-on-one and... And then wipes the floor with him, and then the rookie says, "I don't want to play in your team anymore." Um, the amount of sweat in this movie is just, oh, mm. it's tumultuous. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, directed by one uh, Starsky from Starsky and Hutch, Paul Michael Glazer. No way. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? This I don't is know why that of, name is familiar. This is one of two movies I've seen directed by Paul Michael Glazer in the last two weeks. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. He says he can't have uh, have a life yeah. after Starsky. Um, yeah. So we find out that he's... He watches this video from um, from Africa of this of this, this really, really tall guy. Um, it's a video of, like, a priest in Africa and in the background there. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, he sees, he sees and he's drunk and he gets excited. <laughs> oh, man. Kevin Bacon drunk. Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon drunk. Um, it's probably one of the most convincing drunk actors I've seen for a while. But he sees yeah, the um, he, he sees uh. this um, and it's played by this guy called Charles Gatonga Mayner, um, who actually was a basketball player. And I actually found a Sports Illustrated article um about the 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 author of the article was, was trying to make a um, he did a few things where he went back at sports movies of the 90s. Like, he did one about Mighty Ducks. He did one um, about... I think he did one about Cool Runnings. And he was basically trying to find this guy so he could do, like, a bit of a like a, sh- a short sort of documentary about, you know, the air up there and what it, what's, he do- what's he doing now. So this guy's really hard to find. Yeah. So he, he, um, he went to South Africa to find him. Um, Just like but, in the film. Yeah, and basically was, like, he had to go looking around all the bars and stuff because the guy, guy, was, guy liked to drink. Um and then, uh, yeah, if you if you if you if you search like the article, um, if you even if you air up there, um, Sports Illustrated, you'll find it. It's a really interesting article. Like basically, he finds this guy, and it's not all what he thought it would be. And um, it sort of also shows you how people are sort of hung out hung out to dry after they have that sort of that fifteen minutes of fame, especially in the nineties where that happened quite yeah. a lot. And uh, and what and how like he sort of how his how his life went after that. It's, it's a pretty interesting article. Um, yeah, so he, he he goes he goes to Africa to, to find this dude, and uh, the music in this movie is like it's like they had one soundtrack for any any time anything was um uh 
situated in, in, in Africa in any movie in the nineties, they had these like this the same Somali swing uh, singers in the background. It's like, pop, pop. Yep. <laughs> it's Cool Runnings, um, Groundhog yes. Day all over again. But you know, <laughs> um, yeah. So he, uh, yeah, it, like it's, there, there was so many nineties African movies. Like I know there's, there's there's one definitely coming up, which is I've I've never seen it, and I know it's going to be bad. It's like remember that Krippendorf's tribe with uh, Richard Dreyfuss. No. It's got him in full like African war paint and a shield on the front cover, and it's just like it's <laughs> it's like oh. you know it's going to be bad. <laughs> um, so yeah, so he's, he goes to Africa, and he, he um I like how when he finds a guy, like he, the guy pretends to be um. Pretends to be crap at basketball. Um, yeah, they it's they do. Funny. The the tribe do have a uh, a lot of fun at Kevin Bacon's expense, um, but it, I find the entire movie just so um, insincere. Like it's just, it's classic. I mean, I'm a broken record in this podcast, but it's classic dickhead white man. Yeah, who's trying to get something to better himself, and then magically sees the error of his ways and has to actually be a nice person and, you know, commit to another lifestyle to get what he wants. Yeah, and like... By getting um, circumcised and climbing a hill. Yeah, I like that that whole bit where they... That, so basically he, he gets... Um, there's a nun in there too who's a bit, he's, she's a bit sort of sassy and he's like, yeah, are you... like they, they use that joke, are you allowed to say that? Like so many times, it's like, dude, just... Stop it. Three times. Too many times. <laughs> yeah, she counts it. Um yeah, it's uh and then we've got uh so he he then finds himself also kind of like in the the middle of um there's like a tribal sort of feud as well, like the the um one of the chiefs Wanabis and the Yeah. Uh is it uh Mingori? Yes. I think it's Mingori. I was obsessed with this movie as a child. Oh, really? The the word Wanabi will stick with me forever. I love this film. I did not know how many slow-mos there were in it when I rewatched it. <laughs> that was a great disappointment. I do not need Kevin Bacon's face in slow motion. Yeah. <laughs> no one needs that. His face kind of looks like he's in slow motion most of the time anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the shake and bake thing? I, 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 I know it's like a basketball move. I'm not sure what the, the move is. The Jimmy Dolan shake and bake? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's some bullshit they invented for the film, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. It's just... Isn't it's it just like, a fake-out uh, sort of thing? Uh, yeah, it's like in Mighty Ducks with the with the deke. <laughs> oh, the deke, yeah. Like, when you pretend to go one way, you go the other way. Yeah. You're gonna zig- but really, you, you go between you their legs. While they zag. Um, yeah. Now, if I'm going to Africa, and I'm going to a uh, a community where, you know, Diet and all that stuff is is quite different to my to my Western upbringing. I am not wearing white pants <laughs> at all <laughs> because there's a there's a one of the one of the only times I actually audibly laugh out loud was when he drinks the goat's milk and then he shits himself like or he nearly shits himself over and over and over again. <laughs> I think I was like that's you know and that's because like I've got a pure sense of humor that um you know I just I, I like uh, poop is funny poop is funny yeah um. 
We've got I, at one point yeah, when you said um that Groundhog Day. I, at one point, I thought it was that Weatherman song from yeah. <laughs> from the start. It sounds so much like it. Um, there's a really weird bit where like uh the one of the female um tribes people wants to go and then like and and Kevin Bacon goes, oh, our guard has tits. I'm like, ah, oh, that's nice. <laughs> that is is inappropriate, but it's also a reference from the start of the f- film where they see this footage of him playing and one of the other coaches are like, the guard's got tits. Thinking like, he's playing against women, he's probably not even that good. Oh, I didn't even notice and that. And then he sees her later, he's like, ah, oh, that's the girl from the video. You obviously have like, really paid good. way more attention to this movie than I did. I was just like... I, think I, I told was like, you, I loved this film as a child. I was seriously writing notes. I'm like, oh man, I'm going to rip this film. <laughs> um, uh, I like, there's a couple of times oh, please, too. Please do, still do. <laughs> The the um the the amount of times that he just like ups and leaves when things don't go his way, and not even like major things, like there's stuff that could be actually fixed if he just sort of stuck around and like talked it out. But he's just like, oh, this happened. All right, I'm going now, or I'm going for a walk, and it's like these people are very confused. You come into their village, <laughs> you want to take away Sala because you know that's that's that like, he's a good basketball, but you know he's not allowed to leave. And then like you're just like, oh, okay, well I'm gonna go then. It's it's just. Ugh. It all feeds into his character, though, of just being a spoiled little dipshit who wants to come in, get what he wants, and get out. Um, and he slowly discovers that that's not possible. Then we have like the usual '90s sports movie um, climax where like they're down at halftime, and you know, there's it's like it's just it's he blows out his knee again. Yeah, and the other coach, other coaches like, but then yeah. carries on playing. Yeah. Which just proves that the knee brace is doing absolutely buckle. Um, it's just, look... I, I'm not sure how I feel about... So the, the girl comes in and plays. They do get the woman to play on the team because she's really good. And she's just getting molested for the five seconds she's on court. And then until she, she hits off. the guy and gets ejected. Yeah. Yeah. Like, ah. Uh, Remind me of that. Why um, is he he's still allowed to play? He doesn't get ejected? Reminds me of the... Um, I saw again... Yeah. Uh, and I've, apologies for um, forgetting her name. The soccer player that like just hip and shoulder that dude that was on the ground. Oh, Sam so, Kerr. Yeah, <laughs> I could watch that. Yeah, every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> the guy just the guy just drops like a pack of shit. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, and then like you know, obviously it all works out in the end. He comes to America, um, basically is Americanized. Um, I noticed that they take off his like war paint that he's been wearing the entire um sh- like the entire movie like he's he's, he's gives he's, him a crew cut yeah gives him a crew cut and all that stuff like all that stuff all the braids are taken out of his hair and it's like all right you're, you're over here now but he has to he does take his um his little offsider um bodyguard who's in still in full um like war paint and like has a spear and stuff like that and i'm like what's that for like i don't know um that's yeah. not going to go down well with that crowd. No. <laughs> where's, where's the university again? Do you know? Because it, it looks very white. Uh, it's it's called St. Joseph's, but yep. it's a fictional university. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't so know what state it's, it's supposed to be in. I would, I would say it's like in the Carolinas sort of area. Georgia, maybe. Right. It feels south. Yeah, so that's that's the air up there. Um, if I was going to, uh, give it a, a rating out of five, I would say, Ooh, it's a hard one. 
I I shamefully will give it a two. Um, <laughs> For this day. But I will all... Yes. And Mutombo's brother is in it. And that's pretty cool. Not to Kimbi, yep. Um, but I will also point out that on the website Complex, this comes in at number 41 in the top 50 racist films. <laughs> is there a... What's, what list is that? Uh, if what, you... what, 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 what's 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 what, what? You okay? I was like, I was like, oh, that's a, that sounds like an amazing list. I was like, it's the same list that like we used on. Do you think I'm spooky about the the ten most eleven most uh, problematic X Files episodes? It seems like a good thing too. What's it called? Complex. Yes. Racist movies. It's it's not that hard to find at all. It's one of the first things that came up for me. <laughs> oh my god! And. <laughs> It is not the last time you'll be hearing of it. I'm pretty sure we've already had some as well. Um, oh my god. This is amazing. Yeah, it's cool, huh? Of Beats course. out... F- of course Bond's on Falling that. down, by the way. <laughs> falling down, yeah. Of course. <laughs> Alright, I'm going to better look through that uh, after this episode. Um, so, moving on to, uh, to TV... Yeah. Do you know what this is? I know it, and I like it, but I don't know what we're doing. Oh, is this Blue Healers? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know me. I'm an easy mark for procedural police drama. That's just, you know, it's my bad. <laughs> I... Yes. I watched the first three episodes of Blue Healers Season 1. Holds up. Good stuff. Uh, first one, even... even uh, And, you know, not it doesn't handle it well, but the first one it was all based around a um, the captain of the local football team um, has beaten up and raped his girlfriend. And Lisa McCune, who's, like, just newly... The new constable on the scene, like, sort of gets... Like, makes sure that he sort of is brought to justice and... Um, yeah, it's like it's such a pretty pretty hard hitting episode for the first time, and also for just in nineteen ninety four, having like that sort of content on TV like would have been kind of unheard of, especially for an Australian drama. Because like Australian dramas up until then, you had a bunch of like the ones on on ABC. You have like you know your sons and daughters and like uh, lots of stuff. But like this is the first real decent police procedural, um, in my opinion. I know people will go, oh, there's this and that, and that. Yeah, but this one this one was awesome. Um, Mount Thomas is apparently like just a hotbed of criminal activity because I went for 11 seasons <laughs> and they did not move out of that place at all um, but yeah you've got and is it, how often do they just have like tiny tiny little crimes like someone stole my cactus oh look um, there's usually around about sort of like three cases per episode like um, in the same one that we had the um, uh, where we had the um the guy like was with his partner. We also had a um, a vicious dog that got shot, and we got you know had other things oh. as well. Like it's, you know, we had quite um, quite a few a variance of um, things. And look, I, I it's one of those ones that I don't I actually see myself dipping back into. Like it, it was not. They kind of had that sort of whole because um, she was like a female coming in. There was like a lot of that, uh, you know, male dominated workplace. But it was 
she held her own the character held her own like i was, it was actually believable and i was less I was, I was pleasantly surprised i thought this was going to be a lot worse than what it was i was tempted to go and find someone watch some but i didn't think that lisa McCune was in it from the start and yes. she was my sole purpose as a child for watching it occasionally well i'm also like uh, so we've got um lisa McCune, john wood as um the the uh sergeant tom croydon you've got didn't martin w- didn't watch it for him Martin Sachs as PJ, um, uh, no. Grant Bowler, who would come, you know, he'd be no. a lot of stuff. My favourite was um, William McInnes. He was um, like the tall, sort of, I don't know, he, he, he always, always said that had the best lines and he was kind of kind of funny and stuff like that, but then he could be kind of gruff and serious. He was your favourite out of everyone in the show? Uh, yeah, probably. And also, I, show, he, and he I, I, also yeah, I also had a pretty magic crush on Dash when she came in. Um <laughs> That's like a few oh. seasons time. Yeah, she was great. Tasma Walton. <laughs> uh, uh, so, it's yeah. all about McCune. Yeah, look, I, I don't look, know why. I'm, I'm not saying like, I'm not saying bad. I'm saying like I just yeah, there's uh, you know, <laughs> this is getting weird now. Um, <laughs> I just thought she was neat. <laughs> she was, she just thought she was neat. Um, we had um, so this this year, like this season especially, I want to sort of highlight because. Um, as I was doing the research for it, usually the, how it's been for like the first um, few seasons is that the bulk of the pilots, like which is like the first episode of a TV show, is usually September. That's usually the one where like we have like a big bunch of new shows. Doing nineteen ninety four, like they sort of spread them out a bit more, so we have like a few um, uh, different shows coming in at, at different times of the year. So I think um, I'll always I'm always going to try and cover at least uh, one. Um, one of the best pilots uh, that I that I've found, and this and then this month and for January, uh, I found a show called Monty. Monty, uh, Australian? Uh, no, it was a it was a okay. uh, it was American. Monty is about sort of so you know you know who Rush Limbaugh is like he's like a conservative yeah kind of. So there's a person like that, but it's played by Henry Winkler. <laughs> Henry Winkler as a conservative TV, like, uh, yeah, a conservative, like, kind of like Bill, 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 Ma- like, like all that sort of um, Fox News. He's basically, he's basically working for like Fox News. Um, okay. He also so has he's a, gone against his his usual yes. character. He also has a son, right? Played by David Schwimmer. Ooh. And David Schwimmer, um, having watched some of the pilot, um, I just realised that. He doesn't have a lot of gears in his uh, in his gearbox. He's got he's got David Schwimmer and he's got slightly more serious David Schwimmer, um, which is not yeah. this one. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's and, it, and sad Schwimmer. Don't forget sad Schwimmer. I think that's kind of the same as just normal Schwimmer. He's <laughs> oh. just constantly sad. Uh, I was trying to find the uh, the theme song, um, but it's. Uh, it was it was slim pickings. It was, uh, for some reason, there's not a lot of uh, uh, call for um, episodes of a six episode run TV series where the fonts the fonts plays a conservative TV host. <laughs> uh, but I think I found. Did it get six episodes? It got six episodes. Yeah. And yeah, I can't find the theme song anyway. So if anyone can find the theme song for me, because '90s theme songs were a thing like they're, 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 there's, they've been joked and parried in other shows and all stuff but like they're the ones where like the lyrics contained pretty much the entire plot of the show 
and it's amazing. <laughs> um, so it's not your love lifting me up? No, it's not higher and higher. <laughs> I really thought that's where we were going with this. Oh, really? So just, I'm so disappointed. Uh, we also had the uh, premiere of Babylon 5, which I've never watched and don't have any interest in <laughs> whatsoever. I'd, I've tried to watch like Star Trek and stuff like like The Next Generation, and it's like that one is, I, I can probably see myself uh, being able to do it a bit easier than this, but this is like, when you're into, after working in a video store, like, do you, you, you probably wouldn't have been around at the time where we were still like uh, hiring out episodes of this. But yeah, the Babylon Five folk—they—they no. they were they were a—they were a different kind of folk. <laughs> folk of their own. They were a very pale, um, and used to always—they oh. uh, would get the the newest Babylon Five, and then also probably the newest uh, porno tape at the same time. Oh, I wonder what their real passion was. <laughs> Can it be both? Yeah, there's two crossovers. Um, and we also had um, now look. I loved this show. Uh, I'm not that happy with like the lead voice actor now. Like I find him a little bit annoying, and apparently he's not not that great a person. But the critic ad, um, uh, made by um, the makers of The Simpsons, um, it centered on um, Jay Sherman, uh, who would also do a crossover episode with The Simpsons. Oh. Um, it is. If you've, I, I managed to have a, a copy of the series. Like they only did um, a couple of series. I've got the, I've got the DVD of it. It is really funny. If you ever get a chance to watch it, I'm not sure if it's on any streaming services. It's very um, satirical, very kind of weird too. Like it's um, like because he he pays a, a a a film critic, and each show they would always do like a ridiculous um, parody of a movie. Um, like the one I remember the most is they did one for Jurassic Park where the raptors were so smart that they had like a they were smoking out of a pipe <laughs> and, and and chatting about politics and it was, it was it was pretty funny um but yeah if you if you ever get a chance to watch it um i'm not sure if it's streaming anywhere um it is very very good um as it like i'm not like john lovett's i'm like eh, um i've like I don't think he's I don't think he's a, a dirtbag, but I've heard that he's like not the nicest person in the world. Um but uh, Yeah, same. But uh yeah, if you ever get a chance, I'll just check it out now, see if it's mm. I don't think I ever actually saw any episodes of it. I only knew it from The Simpsons. And I knew that there was like another show somewhere with him. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure I never actually saw any of the critic. Even well, when I saw it on the list, I did not know what it was at first. They had um it reminded me like it like this one used to go and uh, it sort of went hand in hand with Daria with me. Like it's like um, they, uh, the sort of the the humor was quite a lot, quite the same. It's very satirical and very sort of like um, but some of the bit like they, he he had like an offsider friend who was an Australian like actor, kind of like a Paul Hogan type sort of person, and like it was just like these quirky sort of characters and these quirky and um, he had like an ex wife. Um, there was like running jokes like the the. It was um, made by um, Al Jean and Mike Reese, who were like the probably the most successful showrunners of The Simpsons up until that point. Um, so yeah, if you ever get a chance, please check it out. I think you can probably find some on YouTube. It is, it is excellent. Oh, it's excellent. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, right. So that 
wraps that up. So that means we've got a couple of uh, so our long running center, uh, segments here on living in the past. We've got um, so one that just came up last year, which is <laughs> Ben reads out the guests that were on the Conan O'Brien show because we're big fans of Conan O'Brien here. Uh, he reads the guests um, to the tune of "We Didn't Start the Fire" by our Lord to the, and, to the attempted tune, our Lord and Savior William Joel. Um, I and just me, just uncontrollably <laughs> laughing in the background because even though we've done this like a few times now, I still find it just the most one of the most hilarious things I've ever heard. So <laughs> it's the most difficult thing I've ever had to do with my life. <laughs> uh, so, um, all right, give me a little count. One. The other issue I've got here is I don't know some of these names. <laughs> Two. <laughs> okay. Three. Go. Mark Hamill, Joe Queenan, Hannah Storm, Robert Vaughn, Richard Reeves, Isabella <laughs> Rossellino, Dave Foley, James Carville, Amy Brennan, Larry King, Chris Elliott, Brooke Shields, Jules Fifa, Geraldine Ferraro. <laughs> Peter Horton, Vinnie Pazariza, George Hamill, Jimmy Breslin, Branford Marcells, Lisa McCree, Chris Farley, Tom Wopper, Malcolm McDowell, Tyra Matt Lauer, Linda Ellaby, Yafit Koto, Susan Lucci, Goody Howe, Francis Ford, Coppola, Francis Harrison, Ken Ela, to Kidden Play, Dizzy Fiantis, Julie Hagen, Peter Han, oh, Pete Ham, Cindy Lauper, Jeff Griffith. David Johnson, Robert Coop, Alucci, Martha Plimpton, Gregory Hanson, Scott Bavaricano. Oh, that's it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I didn't do the music guess. I don't know how to. It's okay. Sync them in because sometimes there isn't one. I didn't know any of those surnames. <laughs> I apologize right. hey, to hey, everyone's hey. names. You did good. You did good. Vinny Pazienza. Ken, uh, Ken Aluta? He's on there twice. I, do you know if Pete Hamill and Mark Hamill are related? That's a bit weird. Uh, I'm sure there's... Daisy Funtis? There's plenty of people with uh, Hamill. I need to... Uh, uh, I need to check these names before I do that. Um, quickly before we go on to the... Uh, um, Law and Order Minute, we've got... I just wanted to go through uh, oh, yeah. this season. Because we're in also prime... SNL time at the time at the moment, like it's uh, oh, we are good stuff. Um, we got Jason Patrick um, and Bly Mellon on in January. Who's also, Jason Patrick? Uh, I believe he's the guy that's not famous in Sleepers. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Let me oh, just well. check. Yes, like early early Ron Livingston. <laughs> sure. Uh, Jason Patrick Blymelon, we got Sarah Gilbert and Counting Crows would have been a good episode. Um that was that was the the only two for um for January nineteen ninety four. Each week we also do um I go through the episodes of the um along with the X Files, one of the best TV shows ever to grace our screens, Law and Order, OG. Uh, and I'm tr- I try to uh summarize and give uh, give my thoughts on them within a minute and we call it the Law and Order Minute. Okay. It's not fair that yours is not to the tune of anything. You know? Uh, it's to the tune of um, greatness. <laughs> I guess. Is your greatness ready? My greatness is ready. 
All right, uh, go. Cool. First off, we've got uh, Golden Years, where we find a old lady um, in an apartment who's died, and she has been starved to death. Did we it play the Bowie song? It did. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, it turns out that her granddaughter uh, has been had been telling the uh, live-in worker to not feed her grandma, um, grandmother too much. There's a bit of like, oh, whether Ooh. she was trying to um, uh, uh, get some money out of her, but it's you know what. As a first episode for the entire year, eh, it was all right. Um, next one, uh, pick up the pace because there we have a kidnapping. We have uh, a friend Ooh. of the district attorney's son is, is is missing, and then we find out that the district that the, the guy that was kidnapped um, staged it in order to get money out of his dad, and it is amazing. <laughs> we've got um, <laughs> we've got some of the dumbest criminals, and actually, even one of them says, uh, "You must you may be the, one of the dumbest criminals I've ever met." <laughs> It's great. Um, the last one that we have is uh, one of my favorites, actually. It's called Breeder. Uh, I feel it's not the same without the horn, you know? I think everyone likes the horn. You should bring the horn There's back. not the same oomph to the ending to really just shit all over your Law and Order parade. Yes, the horn what, will come back. Because that's what we want. <laughs> um, so let's get on to music. All right, so the Billboard number one was "Hero" by Mariah Carey. Um, not the not on the same album that you listen to alone in your room crying, but not the song that you listen to alone in your room crying. Um, we yes. also have "All for Love" uh, by Brian Adams, Sting, and Rod, and Rod Stewart. Um, again, I think I mentioned it last uh, season. If you get a chance to watch that film clip of them singing this, oh man. <laughs> Like they're all going. It's amazing, for it. Except isn't it? For, actually, except for Sting. Sting's like eh, he's like holding back. He's playing bass. Now times I see Sting playing bass, and I don't think it's actually him playing bass. He just needs to have a bass in front of him. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think Sting has ever actually gone for it. <laughs> he's That's... too tan- he's too tantric for that. Yeah, it's just not his style. For the Aria, uh, him screaming. One, for the Aria number, we also, we also have some uh, some. Brian Adams uh, in Australia because as we worked out last uh, season, Australia loves Brian Adams. Uh, Please forgive me. Yeah, which is a confusing song, and <laughs> boom, shake, shake, shake the room, tick, 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 boom. I love that song. We've arrived. Oh my god. We should play it. Mainstream pop hip hop has arrived. Because this is just just at the tail end of um, him being. The Fresh Prince. I think this is just before he started like going, uh... and that's that's not to nay say any previous like Salt and Pepper and you know yeah. mainstream hip hop that was happening. But I'm pretty sure <laughs> this changed everything, didn't it? Didn't it? Um, because grunge was about to die, and then there was this. I found okay, and I don't know whether the because it's so I, nice and clean, like yeah, it wasn't offensive think, to anyone. I think was it? this, I think this made um, hip hop accessible to white people in a way that I hadn't done before. <laughs> I can imagine, like you know, mums dropping their kids off at soccer practice or like a or a or a party, and it's like, all right, kids, don't forget to bone shake the room. Okay, bye, honey. It's just um, yeah, they would have. Yeah, it's like uh, kind of um, Marge saying, like, watch out for the shack attack. 
<laughs> like it's just that is like um appropriate. Or if that like, kid had a black friend, the parents would leave that CD out, like <laughs> visible, like look what we've got. Oh, sorry, oh. I left my boom shake the room CD out. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I don't know why that's my voice for, for the average white person. Janice. Or yeah. Fran Drescher. <laughs> um so uh, <laughs> uh yeah. Let's do some um, music now. Uh you know okay, so you, just going back to last um last uh, year too when we did our top fives and uh your partner Laura called um following the widest rap song <laughs> she ever heard. It's tainted the song for me yeah. now. Every time I listen to it I'm like, ah. I don't care, I still love it. <laughs> um yeah, we also got some awful love action on the Aria charts too. With uh, so that seems to be like a worldwide hit. Um, I wonder if they're like it's one of those ones that's probably bigger than the actual because it was it was written for that or it featured in the Three Musketeers film. But I don't know whether the Three Musketeers film was, was as big as what the song was, apart from the film clip where they showed parts of the film. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, the film was garbage. So. So, uh, only a few releases. Um, so, we've got Lagwagon, Trashed, Philadelphia Soundtrack, uh, Jimmy Eat World self title which um, I had to find on YouTube. I can't really, they couldn't find that many places to stream. Um, Alice in Chains. It's not around, friends. and the dates for its release is also very weird. Yeah, I know. We're getting more and more of that as I'm trying to sort of nail down like the wide release rather than like the sort of, you know, the limited release sort of thing. Um, we had POD, yeah. POD um, Snuff the Punk. Um, Alison Chase, Jars of Flyers, Underworld, Dub No Bass with My Headman, um, Meat Puppets, Too High to Die, and Under the Pink by Tori Amos. What did you listen to? Uh, I did not listen to Jimmy Eat World because I couldn't find it, and then every time I looked at when it came out, nothing said it came out in January 94 other than Wikipedia, which I okay. found very strange. Yes. Um, but yeah, I couldn't find it anyway. Mark Lanigan, I've gone off. So I didn't bother. Um, Lagwagon isn't my thing. I like I listened to the playlist you made, so I listened yep. to it a little bit, but it doesn't do it for me. See, like Lagwagon. Uh, um, so we... I most. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go. You go. I mostly did Alice in Chains, too much POD, um, <laughs> too Tori much Amos, POD, and a little <laughs> and meat puppets. Um, so Lagwagon, um, this one in particular, I, uh, like we, we covered them once before and there was the one that we said, like sounded very metal. Um, and this one still has sort of like those, those riffs as well, but this album for me is my favorite of theirs. Um, it was given to me by my friend. Um, I believe my friend Nick gave it to me on a tape and, um, it's one of those ones though that like, I like the first seven songs a lot. So I never really flipped it over to this. Like I used to just stop it and rewind it back. I'm like the the tail end of the album. Like it's still good. Like it's still got some good stuff on it. But like you've got the best songs. Probably the, my favorite ever Lagwagon songs ever are those first like six or seven songs of this album. So um, kind of a good that's um, a lot. Look back into into my early punk days. Um, so let's talk about Jar of Flies. Um, there's another EP uh, by um, Alison Chains. Um, this one's got probably my favourite song of, uh, um, I was going to say, is this better than Sap? I think it is. It is. Um, it is. (laughs) Uh, it's, um, No Excuses is my favourite Alison Chain song ever. So, um, I Really? Yeah, I really like it. Uh, 
it's I mean and nutshell's pretty 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 close behind uh but yeah I I have to say that no excuses and I it's one of those ones where I think I even bought an album I thought I thought it was on dirt I think and then when I was I, I, when I finally bought dirt and I listened to it, I'm like oh no excuses is on here <laughs> um so but yeah uh apart from that like i mean it's it's fine it's just um you know an ep is an ep like it's you want more because i think this was this was peak uh allison chains like they just released uh, like a couple years ago they'd done sap and now i mean sap and this one could have been put together and made like a, a pretty decent album um i think they have released them together on vinyl since then and i'm assuming because their next double. one would be their last one. Is that? I feel like this was their last. Nah, they had um the self titled one with Sludge Factory and all that. The one with the dog. Oh with three yeah. Um. So yeah, look, I decent release. Um, I didn't really listen to Pod that much because it was just hard to listen to. <laughs> but you you seem to like to like it way too much. Let's do. No, just, I did not like it at all. Um, uh, I just yeah. kept coming up from the playlist. Oh yeah! <laughs> <sighs> That's a long intro, huh? <laughs> yeah. Is this Metallica? Is this cover. They like the Beastie Boys, huh? You know, they say that Limp Biscuit started that shit, <laughs> but I think Pod might have been, might have been short change there. I, I that, every time I listened, like came up, and I was like, oh shit! Is it, you know, when like you um, you have a playlist, and then like when that play, when that playlist finishes, like Spotify just like um, puts songs on that sort of uh, match to the playlist. And I was like, don't oh, get me started. This? And I was like, oh no, it's Pod. And I was like, is this like a Limp Biscuit on there? Is that Corn? Like, Ex- excuse me, it's Pod. Pod. It's pod. It's P.O.D. I can't believe they've been around this long. I thought they came around in like the early 2000s with that song that got way too big. I don't even know what that song is. Like this whole is thing. It, is it so alive? This, this, like, my thing is that it still gets like treated as, um, like some people have these like nostalgia for stuff. Payable on death is what that stands for. Oh, they're Christian. They're Christian. Did, not know that. did you not know that? I did not know that. Ah, that's all I knew about them. And that someone once said they were going to be called G-O-D, but it was too obvious. <laughs> <laughs> so just like sitting out there, youth hall is like, I've got a, I've got a name for the band, G-O-D. Nah, man, <laughs> I don't want to be too obvious. <laughs> Let's do P-O-D. Um, this was the birth of, uh, birth of new metal. I want to talk about uh, Tori Amos. Because this album was really, really fun to listen to. Um, I'd heard Cornflake Girl, uh, obviously, quite a lot. It was the big hit from this one. It was a big, big thing throughout Australia. Thing I used to hear it on Triple J all the time. But this whole, this entire album was very, very easy to listen to and fun, and like also like you know it's pretty, pretty emotional, and you can really hear like she puts it all out on Front Street, which is what I really respect about her. So yeah, I think. <laughs> Um, out of all the like, I I really like Trash. I really like Lagwagon, but out, out of all the ones I listen to, this it would be between this and Jar of Flies for my top pick for the for the month. Same. I 
liked some of the Meat Puppet stuff, um, but it's really hard having heard Nirvana do two of these songs before I heard their versions. Yeah. And they're so much better. Like, the Kirkwood brothers did not have good voices to listen to. Backwater is really good. I really, really like Backwater. Um, they, um, they, they're a weird band. Well, not, not they write a good song, they just don't do them very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it's, it's, it, also for that point of time, like I've, I kind of think they would have fit in really well, like early 2000s. Like, maybe in that sort of Jack Whitey type sort of, you know, thing. Like, it's like I see them more of a dinosaur junior. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll get that. Style. Yeah. But, um, just sing better. But yeah, I think, um, Cornflake Girl, Pretty Good Year, and God, the ones you put on the playlist, and yeah, I guess the rest of the album, it doesn't really drop off very much. It did, I did have struggle, it took me some time to get over her song from the film Toys, <laughs> and remove that from my brain, and actually listen to this <laughs> without thinking about that terrible song. But yeah, it, it would be between this and Alice in Chains for me as well. I think I'm going to go for um, Tori Amos. Um I think it was just, I, I, and it's, it's that whole EP thing. Like, I really like no excuses, but it's like, and look, you know, it's not saying this is pretty early early days, but like, you know, top fives uh, could be could be, could, could have a a place in, the, in 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 one of my top fives. But yeah, I think I was I never really given Tori Amos like a lot of um, time, and like after the last one that came out in '92, I think. I was really sort of um, blown away by that, and it was, but that was also quite depressing. <laughs> like that, I found this one like a little bit lighter. Yeah. Like I found this one like a little bit more um, fun. So yeah, I'm gonna go uh, with um, with Tori Amos for my pick of um, uh, album of the month. You may remember when we lived together, and I had a little Sony Ericsson phone that I discovered I could uh, get my own ringtones, and for the longest time. This was my ringtone. Yes. Yeah. And if it wasn't that, then it would have been this. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just juggled between those two. One was my alarm, one was my ringtone. Um, Whale and Wasp and Rotten Apple by Alice in Chains uh, make them my release of January because of those two alone. And what about your movie? <laughs> Air up there because of nostalgia, and I love basketball. <laughs> um, yeah, I am going to go with... Oh. I didn't hate Body Snatchers. It was like X-Files meets Terminator, somehow. I can't give Death Wish 5. <laughs> I can't do it. It was just... No. Yeah, I... I oh, shit. Mm. Racism, or... Uh... Bad aliens. I'm gonna go bad aliens every time. Yeah, that's a fair. I, look, if if air up there could have like one iota of the sincerity that Cool Runnings had, it would be a better movie. Like I find there's pro- there's problems with both movies, obviously, but like I think Cool Runnings handled the cultural aspect of it like a lot better, and it was like it was still like their it was their movie. Like there was the, the, the Bob said team's movie. And then John Candy was like a supporting actor in that where in this one, it's Kevin Bacon's movie. And then the, but the whole point of the movie is kind of sort of relegated to the supporting. And it's like, yeah, we, 
you talk about white savior characters in black films and air up there had three of them <laughs> yes it did um yeah. so yeah i'm gonna have to go with body snatchers for mine um so yeah uh look that's January 1994 done. Thank you so much for listening. We, uh, if you want to get in contact with us, it's livingthepastpod at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to check us out on Instagram, um, there'll be quite a few um, <laughs> Death Wish 5 <laughs> clips coming your way <laughs> because it's amazing. Um, uh, we also have um, Spotify playlists and also um, Letterboxd. Um, if you follow... Uh, <laughs> if you follow uh, us on there, um, the links are in the uh, show notes. I'm just playing you out. It's a good start to 1994. It is. And it's your boys. Here's my boys. Spin Doctors taking us out. Um, they, should do a, they should have done a crossover with uh, Crestus Dummies and it could have been like the most perfect thing ever. Oh, could you imagine? Oh, I can imagine. Um, so, yeah, uh, please uh, join us on our 1994 journey. Um, if you haven't checked it out already too, uh, we just did a watch along to The Last Crusade, which was a heck of a lot of fun. Um, so if you want to go back and listen to that, make sure you subscribe to us uh, and, and so you don't miss an episode. And also um, check out our other podcast, Do You Think You're On Spooky. Um, we've been releasing some of the episodes on uh, on this stream, but we're not doing that anymore. So if you want to make sure that you're going to get every one of those episodes, subscribe to it. You can find it where you get your podcasts. And we're having a lot of fun over there too. The new season should be starting um, probably in a couple of months' time. Uh, yeah, haven't got a hard date for it yet, but yeah, can't wait to get back into that. Yeah. So until not going to rush ourselves. No. Until then, I will see you next time. Bye bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Thank you once again for listening to Living in the Past. Got some awesome people to thank at the end of the show here. Andrew Golding does our music for us. You can check out his stuff at www.antigold.bandcamp.com. Rebecca Sheedy, she does our artwork. You can check out her stuff on Instagram at mildscribbling. Send us an email at livingthepastpod at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram. You can check out letterbox.com following PD Lumsden and check out the movies that we've been talking about this season. You can check out the music we've been talking about on the podcast by going to Spotify and searching Living in the Past podcast and then the month that you want to check out. Want to help us grow the show? Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or tell your neighbour, tell your friend, tell your mother. It all helps. And until next time, as we always say, sit back, look back and relax. Thanks. Thanks.